stuck in distractions. We have spent over a year with some form of restrictions or other, and now just recently when the churches have been brought back down to 10% or 10 people, whichever is higher, it's, or lower, sorry, whichever is lower, we come to the point where we say we're going to have to return to our live broadcasts only. But that's all right. You know, there's things that we have taken for granted that we have been unable to enjoy over this last year. Traveling, meeting with the whole family, going out for meals, shopping, different things that have faced the restrictions. Now, the restrictions have put pressure on people, and I believe some of us are not reacting in healthy ways according to what the Word of God says. Are the restrictions unpleasant? Absolutely. Have they changed God's will and God's purpose for my life? Absolutely not. Have the restrictions become a distraction? Absolutely. And I think we often get stuck in the distractions instead of focusing on what it is that God wants. I have a friend of mine that had posted this last week a comment that she felt the Lord had been saying to her that God's people were chasing distractions instead of chasing the Word of God and that we needed to get back to chasing the Word of God. I agree with that 100%. Throughout history, there has always been a resistance to change in the church. I read an article that mentioned in the 1600s there had been a huge uproar in the church in North America because of the music. <clears throat> Excuse me, well, here we are 400 years later, and it seems like the music can still cause a huge uproar in churches. But the problem in the 1600s was that the leaders that had begun to emerge in the church wanted to organize music so that the whole congregation would be singing the same song at the same style and the same speed and be at the same place of that song at the same time. People felt that this would restrict the move of the Spirit. They felt if the Spirit was leading them in a certain way, they would have the, not have the freedom to go that way anymore. And yet once the changes were made and things have been implemented, and we've grown accustomed to singing a congregational song together, I believe that not one of us would want to go back to the place where everybody just went ahead and did what they wanted to do. We would all like to stay at a place where we say, this is now the way that we worship the Lord. Wars have been fought and lost over dress codes, <clears throat> whether children's curriculum should be colored or black and white, over music, which day to meet, the list goes on. To me, it looks like many of these things have become nothing more than distractions that have effectively caused the church to slow down, to stumble, and to take its eyes off the truth that God was trying to show us for that period of time. Instead of reaching a lost world, we were stuck fighting with each other. We're stuck fighting with which version of the Bible is the true translation. Now, it seems that while God is more interested in what is revealed in us during this time, we are more interested in how we have been inconvenienced. I look back, and one of the things when I grew up that we took was catechism. And I look back to catechism and question number one, what is the chief end of man? The answer is, a man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Surprisingly, the catechism never says the chief end or the purpose of man changes with our circumstances. It doesn't depend on how often we get to go out or how often we get to have people in. It doesn't depend on whether we have to wear a mask or not. Our purpose is established when Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of our lives. <clears throat> he is the Lord 
If he is the Lord, then our purpose is to glorify him and to make him known to those who are on their way to hell. Now, I don't believe that anything external makes a whit of difference in our representation of Jesus Christ. It's when we are full of anger, full of bitterness, deception, and rebellion, when we are busy spewing ugly words that Jesus cannot be represented properly. Our greatest calling is to reveal the kingdom of God in our lives and in our actions, to spread love, righteousness, joy, peace, to present truth because Jesus is truth and there is no lie in him. Our purpose will help establish our destiny. There is something that God has prepared and gifted us to do. We have all been created for a specific purpose. We have all been equipped with the abilities to do that, which makes us uniquely us. Now, these abilities enable us to reveal God in a way that only we can. See, when Jesus formed the body of Christ, we were not, or it was recognized that as individuals, we could never reveal the glory of God or the true nature of God into this world. It takes all of us. Every single one of us comes together in a body, and that is why the body is to reveal the fullness of Christ. You can't do it. I can't do it. I need you. You need me. We need to have each other. Once we realize that God put this package together to reveal that unique part of him, we become ready to move into our destiny instead of fighting it. As we yield to our destiny, we no longer stumble and blunder along wondering why we're here. We focus on what God created us to accomplish, and then we go for it because that's what ends up feeling right in our spirit. That's what's the part that shows us that we have moved into the place where we were called to be. When we can recognize that the desires of our heart are there because of God, we can start seeking His direction, invest in training and opportunities that will move us toward the right goals. His destiny then becomes our compass. Now, each one of us has been given different gifts. Some of us have been called, many of us have been called into all manner of different areas of life. That doesn't mean that our destiny all has to be behind the pulpit or that our destiny all has to be, but our destiny all has to be where we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever it is that we are doing. We live in a time where some of the greatest technological scientific and physical breakthroughs are at our fingertips and yet no other generation has had as many cares of life or been faced with the amount and types of problems that we have today our breakthroughs have created a great need we make breakthroughs in one area and then we find ourselves lacking in another place after the internet became popular, the great need was to try and legislate the internet in such a way that it could only be used to benefit people, not to destroy. But every tool can either benefit or destroy, depending on how it is applied. Every solution that we find just seems to create more symptoms in different areas. Now life and the devil will throw hurt and heartache at us on a daily basis, but our faith in God lets us know that we have been equipped and prepared to overcome each of those hurts. Our faith lets us know that those obstacles will change to line up with God's Word. The things needed to fulfill our destiny have already been placed in us. God has already made a way of escape. The redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Christ has already released everything to us that God has for us. So we are not facing these things alone. We are facing these things under the power, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
We do not have to face the trials, the troubles, the hurts, the pains by ourselves. We recognize that God is there with us and that he is keeping that which we cannot handle from us. So now we have two choices. We can succumb to complacency or we can step out and trust God to fulfill our divine destiny. Even if we have been unconsciously choosing the first choice and just looking for a path of least resistance, we can repent. We can choose to follow God's plan for our lives and set a new course at any time in our lives. As we realize that we are created for more than we are right now, we are recognizing that we have a God-given destiny. I do not know how many people I have talked to over the years, and one of the first things that I hear so regularly is, I just don't feel like I'm being fulfilled. I just don't feel like I'm doing what I ought to be doing. They recognize that there's a divine call. They just haven't learned how to answer to that. They recognize that the gifting that God has placed in them needs to be expressed, and yet so often they try and quench it because they want to do what is socially acceptable. They want to follow societal norms instead of saying, Holy Spirit, you reveal to me what it is that you created me to, and I will follow. <clears throat> When we recognize that we're created for more than we are, we start recognizing our God-given destiny. And that is when we are ready to either fulfill or to make the decision to fully pursue God's plan for our lives. And that's how we're going to discover that there's some things that we're going to have to deal with before we're able to start the task of fulfilling our destiny. To move ahead, we have to quit focusing on the distractions, which can include much of what has happened to us. What has happened is history. It cannot be changed. So the first thing we need to do is loose ourselves from the past or from the history. We will never move forward in life until we let go of the past. Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or obtained and excelled, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Well, that's still good advice for today. Now, things are different than they were, but we can never go back to live in any other way. We have no time machines that can take us back to a time where we would find it more pleasant, not even back as nearly as 2019. But Paul said, I count not myself to have obtained or excelled but this one thing. And if we realize that the punctuation was added hundreds of years after this was originally written, we can understand that Paul could be saying that he had only obtained one thing. <clears throat> he says, I have, forgot, I have obtained this one thing, to forget that which is behind, to leave that, which is behind, and then to reach forth to that is what's in front of me. So Paul could very well be saying, forget what's past, press on, move forward. No matter how we read it, Paul went on to say that he forgot those things that were behind him. Now that's an interesting statement from the man who wrote most of the New Testament. It shows us that not only did Paul have to forget his station in life, He'd been raised as a highly educated, freeborn Roman. 
He had been raised under some of the best teachers and the best lawyers of the day. He had to forget that. He had to recognize that when he accepted Jesus Christ, he took on a new calling. Now, he used the gifts. He used what he had been given. He used what he had learned over those years. But he had to leave that behind and move on. Paul also had to forget his success, his failures. He had to forget everything that had been done to him by a corrupt government, as well as his own actions. See, Paul faced beatings. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He ended up shipwrecked. But thankfully, he didn't have to wear a mask, as far as we know. But I'm sure his, remember, his mind remembered the day he watched over the coats of religious men and encouraged them as they stoned Stephen, one of God's chosen martyrs. Acts 7, 5, 58 to 8, verse 3. Now, as he was looking back, this must have seemed like a huge mistake. He was now giving his life to serve this Jesus that Stephen proclaimed. And yet it may very well have been the testimony of Stephen that caused Paul to be open to hear the voice of the Spirit in his own heart. It may very well have been because he went through that that, the, that Saul was able to become the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> so he forgot his mistakes. He stopped looking back. He couldn't allow himself to get so caught up in that memory of being responsible for Stephen's death that the guilt would make him unable to fulfill the destiny that God had placed within him. Now, it wasn't just the things that he had done. It wasn't just his own mistakes that Paul had to forget. He also had to forget his successes. While in Athens, he met with a learned Greek philosophers and he proclaimed the philosophy of the gospel. It says many believed and were saved, which was a great success for Paul. Here was a man from Tarsus, an outpost of the Roman Empire, in a battle of wits, competing with some of the greatest philosophers in all of Greece, standing on Mars Hill, and he matches them word for word, argument for argument, through the power of God. Acts chapter 17, 1633. So Paul used the power of God and the wisdom of the Greeks to show them what faith in Christ looked like. See, the Bible has no record of anywhere Paul using the Scriptures to try and convince these philosophers. They didn't believe the Scriptures. Now, I think that's important for us today to learn also. Learn to be able to present the gospel in such a way to present a reasonable argument without having to resort to the, well, the Bible says. Now, we know the Bible says we're Christians, we're believers. But not everyone you meet is going to accept the Bible as being true or accurate. In fact, many of the people, even in this area, believe the Bible to be some strange and some unholy form of doctrine that will be impossible to understand. Can you defend your belief using today's knowledge? Can you defend your belief using today's words? Can you intelligently dispute the theories of this age using things without quoting chapter and verse? Can you give a biblical wisdom to someone without saying, well, John 3.16 says, see, Paul had great success. He had a great testimony. But he had to forget it in order to move forward and to fulfill the destiny that God had called him to. He couldn't stay there sitting on his laurels and saying, okay, I've arrived. He couldn't stay there and say, well, everybody's been so bad to me, I'm just going to quit. He couldn't stay there and say, well, you know, 
Everything I put my hands to seems to be failing. I end up in prison when I should be getting exalted. He couldn't stay in the past. He had to keep looking forward and then move forward. Paul also had to forget that he started one of the largest churches in history, the church at Ephesus. The church is believed to have had between 20 and 40,000 members. Well, that's a pretty good-sized church even in today's numbers. But in a less populated time, without the benefit of internet and television advertising, can you imagine what it was when Paul was able to cause people to come to Christ in such numbers? But in spite of all these successes, Paul said, I count not myself to have accomplished anything, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark. So Paul forgot his success. Paul forgot his failures. Paul forgot the unjust things that were going on. He forgot everything that had happened to him because it was all history. Now, I don't believe that Paul had some mental condition that made him forget, but I do believe that he chose to not dwell on those things that had happened and to keep his eyes focused on where he was going. Rather than focusing on what was all around him and coming to a standstill, he kept focusing on the plan of God. He kept focusing on the Word of God. He kept focusing on what had been prophesied over him. And he says, these things aren't going to stop me at this point. I am moving forward regardless of what I have to do, what I have to face, what I have to work through. I am going to move forward and I am going to come to the place where I will be able to stand and hear my God say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul was not satisfied with anything less. Paul was not satisfied with only going halfway. Paul was unwilling to nurture his grudges and to hold on to his offenses. He said, I will let those things go. None of these things are going to stop me. I have a dream that has been placed in my heart by the Almighty God, and I am pressing through, and I will reach the thing that He has called me to be. See, one of our problems, I believe today, is that too many of us want to leave in the past. We want to sing the old somebody done me wrong song. We want to sing about how I've been cheated and mistreated and whine about how hard it is or was. Sometimes we interrupt that song to tell others about how great I was, even while I was being mistreated so badly. Well, I understand what a shock it was to find out that the whole world does not agree with your mother. You're not necessarily the best thing that was ever born into this earth. I understand the shock of knowing that the sun does not rise for your pleasure alone. I understand that in grade six you hit a home run and it was such a momentous occasion. But it is time to move on to the greater things that God has for you in the future. See, I also understand that we had more freedoms two years ago than we do today. But whining about it, stirring up strife, is not going to change it. Repentance, calling upon God, will. We cannot rest on our past accomplishments. We cannot rest on the glory days. We cannot rest on how we've been hurt and expect to ever be able to move forward again. We are going to have to commit to grow if we want to move on. We are here at this point today, but we can decide where we are going to be or which way we are going to be traveling tomorrow. 
See, too many people don't understand what commitment means. Paul showed his commitments when he wrote, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Reaching forth involves effort, and effort is spelt W-O-R-K. It is going to take work for everyone to move forward into a semblance of life that we can all be happy with. It takes work to reestablish broken relationships. It takes work to be able to say, I will be closer today than I was yesterday to fulfill God's call on my life. Now, if you're interested in following God's plan for your life and fulfilling your divine desire or your divine destiny, you've got work to do. You have to reach forth. You have to strain. You have to strive to attain the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, according to verse 14. See, Paul said, I press towards the mark. Well, when you're pressing to get something, you're putting forth a lot of energy and a lot of effort. Think about football and tackle machines and how you push against that with everything it is within you, trying to get a few yards. Now, again, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. But God has called everyone to do it. Some are answering the call. After you've made the decision to become someone who can move forward and make the impact, you're going to find out very quickly whether you're even willing to exert the effort it takes to be that kind of Christian because the devil is going to fight you on your decisions. You're going to want to choose between running back to your comfort zone, running back to whining and complaining and getting pity from others, or press towards the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When you make the decision to go with God, you plant His Word in your heart. There is no place for you to go but up and over. The present circumstances become nothing more than a temporary inconvenience. The present circumstances become nothing more than a distraction. And in my opinion, I see much of the church has become distracted instead of carrying on and saying, let's go finish the Great Commission now. We're busy fighting with each other. We're fighting with the government. We're fighting with all forms of authority. There are so many lies and so many stories and so many, well, somebody said's going around. Let's focus on saying we have a job to do. We have Jesus to show to a world that needs him. So I would encourage you to make the commitment today to not dwell back there. Don't dwell even here. Forget about the failures, the successes of your past, along with the hurts and the pains, as well as the injustices. Decide today to start pressing towards your divine destiny. As beautiful and wonderful or as painful and trying as the past was, I don't believe anything that is behind us will ever hold a candle to the hopes of tomorrow. So let's be all we can be. Let's be an ambassador for Christ. Let's spread hope into situations instead of despair. And let's pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to share your word. I want to thank you that your word has not changed or altered over the course of centuries. That we can find your word as a firm foundation. That your word gives us clear direction in every situation. I ask, Father, that our hearts would be open to receive the word that your Holy Spirit would impart into us, that you would help us to become what you created us to become.
We give you praise for this, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.